beautiful verse in John chapter 10 where uh, Jesus is talking about the shepherd and the sheep and us being the sheep and him being the shepherd. And he says that the sheep will know his voice. You know, we're supposed to hear from him. You know, it's part of the part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We're supposed to hear from him. And we hear in all sorts of different ways. You know, sometimes through the word of God, sometimes through another person, sometimes with a picture or a, an image, sometimes with lots of words, sometimes with just a word. Yeah? But we're supposed to hear. Hmm. Let's just pray a few of those things in, shall we? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you that you speak. Thank you that you are pouring yourself out upon us. Wave upon wave. Thank you that you bring peace Lord thank you that whatever whatever this year is to hold in terms of circumstances that we can trust that you are with us and Lord we choose to trust that you are with us Lord, come and wake us up. Come and give us that freshness of walking in your presence. Lord, be glorified in this church community. Lord, that as we are filled and continue to be filled with your Spirit, that your name would be known all over this place, all over this area. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, do any of you remember the film, The Sound of Music? It's, yeah, yeah. It's sad, isn't it? You know, mum used to make us watch it. There's this, um, there's this little moment where where Julie Andrews is, uh, you know, the sky is blue and the, and the mountains are, are Swiss and covered in snow, but somehow there's green grass underfoot and she kind of, you know, you remember that moment? Have any of you had one of those moments? Yeah. <laughs> I, I had one of those moments when I was 15 years old. I'd been put in this, you know, this Christian roasting camp in North Cornwall, yeah, you know, where, where parents send their children away just to make sure that they've come to faith properly. Um, and, uh, you know, we do, you do summer sports in the sea and in the field, all that during the day, and then, and in the evening they, they, the worship songs go, and, and then someone preaches, and, and you're sitting on the hard benches until you've kind of repented. Um, uh, and anyway, 
Only makes it sound terrible, doesn't it? They're really good, actually. <laughs> Fifteen years old, having another one of those moments of, of realising who God is and literally running through a field in North Cornwall and just going, Oh, Lord, Creator, the Creator of the whole universe. Cared enough to die for me so I can have life. <laughs> My Julie Andrews moment. <laughs> Do you remember what that's like when you first choose to follow Jesus? Where you first get a kind of glimpse about how much he loves you. About how much he's done for you. Well, as we, as we start this year, and um, if you were here, was anyone here at the nine o'clock this morning? Well done, Pippa, I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> I'm preaching the same thing, essentially, uh, all three services uh, for three weeks. I mean, a different talk each week, um, but the same one across each day, except at the 11 o'clock this morning, which was all age holy chaos. So you, they got that kind of three minute version. I might just give them a recap next week. Um, but uh, we are talking about invitations. So let's um, look at Luke chapter 5. This is on page 974. And let me read it to you. 974, Luke chapter 5. And actually, I'm going to have to read it from my iPad because I can't even see that. bring my glasses next time (laughs) yeah it's happening (sighs) one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets he got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the shore Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water. Let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that had been taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats ashore left everything and followed him. The first part of this passage seems to me like it's all about following the instructions. You know, Jesus is giving a set of instructions and Simon, uh, who becomes Simon Peter, well actually he's already been renamed if you kind of hold all the gospel stories together. Um, Simon Peter... 
uh, is following the instructions. Jesus has arrived on the shoreline and he's teaching. Um, really interesting. Dig into it a little bit. It says that they are listening to the word of God. And it's Jesus teaching. So I don't know whether that's a reference, I, I couldn't find it, the answer this morning. I don't know whether that's because they are listening to Jesus or because Jesus is teaching from the Old Testament. I, I don't know what the answer is. You find out the answer and come and tell me. Either way, it kind of gets busy, so Jesus needs to get a bit of distance from the crowd and there's a boat there, so he says, Simon, I want to use your boat. And Simon's like, okay, yeah get in the boat, so the nets go back in the boat because they've been washing the nets and all that kind of stuff. And when the teaching is finished, it's instruction time again. Simon, put out into deep water for a catch. But Simon has been fishing already. We know that because he's washing his nets. What we don't know very much of is what the prior relationship is. We know from John's Gospel that Simon is brought to Jesus by his brother Andrew who says to him that he has found the Messiah and Jesus names him, renames Simon Peter so there's already been some kind of encounter and then if you look at Matthew and Mark there's another encounter with Jesus and Simon where Jesus is walking along the shore and uh, they're fishing. They're doing a kind of, you know, shallow fishing, casting the nets out there. And he invites them at that point to come and follow him. So there's already been a couple of encounters. We don't know how many more, but what we do know is that Simon, Simon Peter, knows Jesus. He knows him enough to follow the instructions that he gets given. We know that Peter has respect for Jesus. He's sitting there in the boat. Jesus is doing all this stuff. And Peter's in the boat as well. And when Jesus asks him to do something, to put out, he refers to Jesus as master. There's already some element of following going on. He does what Jesus says, even though he thinks he knows better. You know, following is, choosing to follow Jesus is, is more often than not a process rather than a single defining moment. You know, you might be able to look back and go, this was the moment where I, where I chose to follow Jesus. But in more, more likely than anything else is that what came before that is lots of other moments where you kind of got a bit close where you made some choices that led you in that direction. You might be able to look back and find a date. And for some people it is a moment. Nothing has gone before, but for most of us, there's a process with defining moments along the way. And I think that's true for Peter as well. It's just that the one in this passage is the defining moment. Uh, and of course, when you read the rest of the Gospels, you realise that there are more the defining moments. Because there's always more. And what happens when he's obedient, even though the fishing should have been done, is that they bring in a catch that 
is about to break the nets and sink the boats. Folks, I think that is prophetic about what God wants to do to the church. He wants to wreck our systems. Okay, whatever we think we've put in place so that we can be great at fishing, he says, however good your nets are, I want to break them. However big your boat is, I'm going to sink it. That's God's plan for the ch- I don't think, and, and, and when we settle for anything less, it's not God's plan. I don't think it's God's plan to bring one or two people into the kingdom each year. That's not his plan. That, that's, that's not it. His salvation plan was one man on behalf of everyone, once for all on the cross. Therefore, his plan by default is all the people that live in Western, every single one of your neighbours, everyone who you work with, the whole of the population of Bath and of the UK and every single troubled nation around the world. That's his plan. That's why the church buildings are too small. Because he just wants to bust them wide open. Sorry, that's not what I was planning to say. They break the nets and they're going to sink the boats because of what Jesus does with the catch of fish. And Peter's response, Simon Peter's response, is a recognition of who Jesus is, Lord, and a recognition of who he is, a sinful man. That's it. I recognize who you are and I recognize who I am. That's the basis of moving forward. And that's the point where Jesus then issues this invitation. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything and followed him. You know, what I want to put out to you at the start of this year is an invitation. An invitation quite simply to follow Jesus and and, uh, all the stuff that we put out at the beginning of this term the term card but also uh, the kind of the announcement about service stuff is all covered with invitation I don't know whether you'd noticed that or not you know this little card says you're invited to these particular services with taste and see that the Lord is good I mean it's not very clever sanctuary engage encounter see we want you to see that God is good. And we want, we've done it like this because we want you to be able to use this as an invitation for your friends. So we left the, black, the back blank for you. You know, I was with someone pre-Christmas at the, um, the mulled wine and mince pies things um, that Wes and Clive and all the crew organised. By the way, good job. That was fab. And I, I, I had one of these and I happened to have a permanent marker in my pocket. And the guy that I was talking to um, they, they used to come to Sunday school here. You know, back in the day. And they were like, yeah, this is our church, because we used to come to Sunday school here. And I was like, but why aren't you coming now? It's like, oh, no, you know, suddenly everything gets slippery. <laughs> yeah? So I pulled out one of these, and I got my permanent marker, and I wrote two, I'm not going to tell you his name, blah, 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 and his missus, you're invited. Love Mark. And I gave it to them. I said, I want you to go and put that on your fridge. 
and leave it there until you've actually come back. Because this is where you need to be. I, I, I hope I see them again. Maybe it's too pushy. But the, 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 the reason we've done that is that I want this to be a tool for you to be able to use. Take some home. Stick them in your bag. Okay? Leave them, leave them in your work bag or whatever it needs to be so that you can use them. Okay? Because that's what they're there for. So at the start of this year and, and all of this term and, and maybe longer, I don't know, until we've got it, um, there's this fresh invitation to follow Jesus. And over this next three weeks, I'm going to give you five invitations. You've got two of them tonight. First one is to follow. Second one is to grow. Third one is to worship. Fourth one is to give. And the last one is to go. Okay, don't be afraid to come next week when I talk about giving and worship. Okay, you'll like one of them. It's going to be alright. Okay, five invitations. And the reason I framed them like that is because I want them to be accessible to us who have been coming to church for years. But I also want them to be accessible to someone who's got no clue. So they make sense. So that you can say, well, you know, what, 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 are you, what are you talking about at the moment? Oh, you're invited. You're invited to what? Follow. Follow who? Jesus. He's great. Can I tell you a story about him? Tell him this one. It's a good story. And then you could ask him at the end, what are you going to do about it? You know, if we're going to follow Jesus, actually, it means that things are going to change. Because to follow him means we actually have to hold really lightly or even let go often of the way that we want to do things. For Peter, for Simon Peter, that day, his fishing day was done. They were washing up the nets, getting ready for the next day. And Jesus invites him on a journey where he'll learn to catch people. And I am astounded that here and at the end of John's Gospel, that the picture of what fishing looks like that is attached to the fishing for people is so absolutely exaggerated and overblown and amazing. They catch way too many fish. What what happens to the fish afterwards? There's a crowd of people on the shore who have been listening to Jesus. The haul of boats come in and the fishermen who have just caught them with Jesus walk off and follow him. Leaving what? A crowd and two boats full of fish. What do you reckon happened? Fish supper. Fish supper for like the whole village, the whole town. And whenever they had a fish supper, what do you think the story was that they told? Oh, wow, we were listening to Jesus, and then the boats nearly sank. Three hundred and eighty-one people, I think, at a carol service here. It's fantastic. Because we were almost full. So maybe we should have two next year. Yeah? I don't know. Something, we, we, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta make it as easy as possible 
for God to break this place wide open. You know, wherever we bump into something where we go, oh, this is the limit, this is the number of people that we can fit in, I kind of want to go, Lord, whatever you want to do to bust so that our, our, we're saying, look, here's our nets, if you want to, if you want to rip them up, then here they are. And make it as easy as possible for him to do that. I, I don't know whether that's a thing, but you know. If we follow, it means change. So let's just think for a moment about how that change happens. See, one of the key ways that Jesus shapes his disciples is he gets them to go and do something, or they watch him do something, and then a little bit later they do something, and then they come back together... And they reflect together on how that went. They talk about it and they go, how did that go? If you want, you know, if you want, if you're, any, any of you in teaching, education, uni or anything like that, stick a hand up. Come up higher. Higher. Excellent. So there's a few of you, you know, you'll know about the whole adult learning thing and you know, you, you did this experiment and then we talked about what we observed and then we, you know, we, then we did that, we went on the whole circle so that we've learned something. This is like 2,000 years ago. Jesus does this stuff with his disciples. Go and read Luke chapter 10 and see what he does. He sends them out to go and do something. And then they come back and they reflect on what happened together. And he gives them a steer. It's really easy. It's not rocket science to make disciples. When he tells a story to the crowd... What he then does is he takes the disciples away and they spend a bit more kind of time together and he explains it in more detail to them. See it time and time again in the Gospels. As a church family, what we need is spaces where this happens so that our following is worked out and we have every opportunity to grow. You know, there'll be a whole bunch of places where that happens organically, but we also need places where it happens intentionally. In this place, what we call that that little event is a home group. Mandy, give us a wave. Mandy's in charge of these things. Do you know there there are 17 adult home groups in this church at the moment? They care for and help grow about 170 adults. I didn't get as far, because it's the new year, of asking the youth guys how many groups um, you guys are involved in, in terms of the teams that Clive and Joe and Russ and Wes are involved in. How many groups are young people are involved in as well? My guess is it's, you know, there's a, there's a lot. But do you know how many adults are at All Saints and say that All Saints is home? There's about 300. Anyone an accountant? To me, that doesn't add up. We're 130 short. So I'm kind of like, do that 130 want to grow? Because if you want to grow, you need to be in something small. According to the how Jesus works with people, it's not just about you following by yourself. You need to be in something small with some other Christian so that you can travel that road with them and you can grow and you can go, oh, this happened this week. And you hold that against the word of God and together you go, oh, what could be different? That's what a home group is. 
Now you either need to be in a home group, which is like the organised version, or in something that is small and similar and provides you with a similar kind of thing. For me, I meet with a group of guys. I went to college with them. They know me inside out. And we go away uh, three times a year for a whole day, overnight. We eat curry or a steak. It's graduated into steak and chips. I want to go back to the curry, frankly. We drink beer and we do full-on accountability. I mean, these guys can spot me with my, you know, with my holy lie detector, you know, with that kind of self-blindness and they will kind of, they'll listen to me talk, radar in, and then they'll go, Mark, you're angry with the Church of England. (laughs) Again? Why am I not, why am I not free from this one yet, Lord? It actually, honestly, does come back to that one quite often. Um, As well as other sins, they know about them so that you don't have to have all of them from the front. But I want you to know that I'm serious about me doing this stuff too. You need to be in something small where you walk with other disciples. And at some point, if I haven't got you on the home group list, I am going to email you over the course of this year and go, how are you doing with that? Because I haven't heard that, or Mandy hasn't heard, that you're in something else. Great if you're in something else. But if you're not, go and see Mandy tonight. Okay? And she'll get you fixed up as quickly as we can. And if we need to start a couple of new groups, that's what we'll do. How quick can we do that, Manny? I'm putting you on the spot. Nick? Next week. Okay. Don't, don't take that as a promise. But you know, that's just a system. It's just a system... And I think God wants to break the system. Okay? I, I, my, my hunch is that, that looking at 300 adults and 170 or so of them being in small groups, that firstly, that that's not okay, because we need to have 300 of you, of you in small groups, or kind of clock that you're in something small. But I think for it to be Fruitful and kind of looking a bit more like Jesus' version of the church. We probably need to be a church of 300 with 500 people in small groups. Because there should be 200 people in them who are going, Ah, oh, I wonder what it's like to read the Bible. What is that all about? I've got this really big question about how the universe is made. Does, do any of you Christians have anything to say about that? And that those small groups in your homes being the places where people could discover that. And folks, that's going to wreck home groups. (laughs) Well, I think Jesus is okay with that. Because however big our net is, I think he kind of goes, I've got a bigger net. And he wants to sink the boat. You know... 
the word baptize means? It means for one of, one of when I do baptism prep, one of the images of baptism is of a boat out at sea that is being overwhelmed by the sea and drowned and filled with the ocean. That's the word baptize. So I think what's going on in this passage is like the first stages of Simon Peter getting baptized. Because the boat is filled with fish and suddenly the water's coming in and they're getting overwhelmed with the wonderful, glorious presence of Jesus Christ. Folks, it's what he wants to do with you. It's what he wants to do with me. It's what he wants to do with this church and every church. To drench the place. And so, today, two out of the five invitations. The first one, to follow Jesus. To make that choice again. To make that choice to follow him. Recognising who he is. And who you are. To lay down what you know and allow him to take you on a journey. And the best way to do this is with other people. Not by yourself, but with others. And so the second invitation is to, if you're not in some kind of small group, to talk to Mandy tonight or talk to me. And get in a home group. Get in a small group. So that you've got the best possible chance. You're making, uh, it really re- making yourself readily available to grow in the presence of God.